Welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on Refuge Church, or to learn how you can give to this ministry, visit refugejacks.church. If you have a Bible, grab it and turn to Act, uh, not Acts, Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, we'll be in a- Isaiah, wow, chapter 9. Um, I think I'm nervous. My, my mother-in-law's here, my wife's mom, and I think I'm nervous. So thanks for being here, Miss Nancy. So you guys clap for my mother-in-law. I'd appreciate that. So thank you for being here. Um, also good to see a lot of friends and family, man. Um, it's cool to see some of you guys. I haven't seen you in a while. Bryce, you look good, man. So, um, Isaiah 9, here's what I want you to do. Uh, let's see, um, by show of hands, who has their Christmas tree up? Show of hands. All right, let's see who the real Christians are. Before Thanksgiving, it was up. All right, before Halloween, anybody? So we can pray over you and cast you out. So, okay, so just checking. There's a, uh, there's a line there somewhere. Here's what I want you to do. Hard to connect, you know, pandemic, all that kind of stuff. If you're sitting and you want to take your mask off and you're comfortable, you're welcome to, although you don't have to. Whatever you're comfortable with this morning is fine while we do the sermon. So here's what I want you to do. Just kind of looking around without getting up and moving. Somebody you didn't come to church with, if you can get that far away without getting up, what is your favorite Christmas album? Go ahead. Favorite Christmas album. Just kind of lean, reach, yell, but don't holler, that kind of thing. Favorite Christmas album. Somebody said Alan Jackson in the first service, and we, we asked them to leave. So, um, so no, I'm kidding. We wouldn't do that. So, uh, so anyone, anybody else say Alan Jackson? We'll pair you up with that guy in a small group. So, um, cool, cool. Alan Jackson, all right, there you go. Very good, very good. We now have our first small group. Okay, here's what I want you to do. So, we are going to take the next four Sundays um, and, and really, man, man, do our best to... to, to to men quiet our hearts and encourage you to do the same at the end of the year, a hectic year, um, a hectic ho- and even a hectic holiday season, and worship Jesus. We just we really want when you walk in for the opportunity for you to slow down and it, to be more than Sunday morning. So this morning's going to be about hope. Um, if you have one of these uh, cards on the way in that says Advent, um, you'll see the first word there is hope. Uh, what you could write down next to that first bullet point would be Jesus turns darkness to light. Jesus turns darkness to light. That'll be kind of the big idea today, that Jesus turns, excuse me, darkness to light. And and I want you to know, kind of the way the sermon's gonna go through Isaiah 9 is, it might start a little heavy, and then then it'll get to more of a joyful um, spin. I just want you to know that's kind of the direction we're going. But this whole idea of Advent is the opportunity at the end of the year for Christians in the church to have maybe some renewal, to kind of press reset. And that's really kind of the goal. Um, so this morning, man, man, we want to be reminded and we'll focus on the hope that we have in a Messiah. And Isaiah 9 is gonna teach us this morning man, that Jesus turns this darkness that we experience in life to light. I read this this week, uh, I'll share it with you. For many, 2020 has felt like one long groan. Between the pandemic of a struggling, between the pandemic, a struggling economy, the isolation of quarantine, 
the online school, civil unrest, racial injustice, wildfires, hurricanes, a noisy election, a divisive and divisive public discourse. This year has reminded us again and again of our mortality, our lack of control, and our collective brokenness. As 2020 comes to a close, we long, perhaps like never before, for words like hope, love, joy, and peace. In other words, 2020 has primed us for the, for the, the ache of Advent. If there's ever been a season uh, needed for us to be still, to quiet our hearts, to worship Jesus, I man, I believe we could make the case that it's been this year. I don't know if you know all of these things, but in January, um, you know this part, we started hearing about a virus in another country, and we watched on the news as it eventually came to our country, and take away your news cycle politic part of it, it, it came, and sometime around March 20th, our country kind of just shut down. If you, if you were a part of these things, and what you actually would remember is um, on March 22nd, the, the people that were starting to call refuse or home were going to gather for a meal, a potluck, which I don't know that we'll ever be able to do again, and then walk over here and worship and pray and ask the Lord, man, to bless what we were trying to do at refuge. We were supposed to open an Easter. That was our plan. And all that changed, causing so many questions, confusion, and fear. And as, and as numbers, man, increased, we got scared. And then in the summer, at some point, it seems like the numbers decreased a little. We started taking our masks off, going outside again, and then the numbers rose again, and there was all kind of confusion again. This year's just been weird. There's been financial loss, and many have lost jobs. Many have lost loved ones, family members, friends. I know of people who have attended funerals and weddings over FaceTime. We're at the end of the year, and we're experiencing a whole new world than we thought we would step into. One with masks, where we try to have conversations between masks and we don't really know what the other is thinking because we can't read their face. One with quarantines where I'm going to be home for 10 days. One with social distancing, which for extroverts like me just is weird and strange and, and, and hard. And one with untold amounts of fear and fear-mongering. We've spent this year seeing so much racial strife and racial injustice leaving us not know how to process it. There was, an, there was a little election, you may have heard of it, right? Created untold amounts of division. I, I think what won in the election this year wasn't a candidate, but was just division. But it caused neighbors to hate neighbors and family members to hate family members. And these things are just the tip of the iceberg. I would add that each person here has something or some things that they have struggled with this year. Things that may still be hidden, things that may have been revealed, sin that has brought devastating consequences, trauma that is being realized, still being realized, still being dealt with, hurt, brokenness, relationships. I think if, if we were going to say this, we could say, here are some words that really describe this year. Stress, anxiety, fear, unknown, sickness, loss, death. These are words that, that, that could so easily describe this year. Therefore, as, as Christians and as those who have called the church, that are called the church, we must remember in this season to hope and that we have reason to hope. And we must quiet our hearts during a hectic holiday season and worship Jesus, the one who turns darkness to light. We who have a reason to hope today hope. Hope is a, a feeling of expectation. Hope is a feeling of anticipation. 
Hope is a, is the, a desire for that thing to happen that we're waiting for to happen. Um, I described earlier, um, uh, the best example for me is uh, our, our little Zoe, who was about to be 18 months. Um, we have this little thing now where I reach down pretending to tickle her, getting really close with my hands like this, and I just go as slow as I can, getting right. And the whole time she's just, you can see her tensing and waiting in anticipation, and I'm slowly, and it's, I mean, and, and I try to drag that anticipation out for her, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure for her the anticipation is better than actually being tickled kind of a thing, but it's, it's that, that's hope. It's, she's waiting for it to land kind of a thing. And because of hope as Christians, we don't wait sadly and depressed for Christ at Christmas, but we actually have a reason to be like a child giddy at Christmas and eager for Christmas morning. Let's remember if anyone has reason to hope, it is those who have found and who are found in Christ. Let me say it this way. Our hope is not found on earth. Our hope is not found in earthly securities. Our hope will not be found in a man, will not be found in money, will not be found in health, will not be found in family. Our hope is found in Christ alone. And from the promised Messiah who came as a baby to the promised return when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will return to redeem his people. The hope and the reminder of a baby at Christmas gives us confidence in the hope of his return to redeem his people. And if you don't get the picture of when we see the baby Jesus, it should also bring up in our mind the images of Christ returning to redeem his people. If you need to be reminded of what that looks like, maybe this week you need to go to Revelation chapter 19 and see that picture of Jesus returning and what that looks like. So Isaiah chapter 9, I just want to point out four things. And, and if, you have, if, you've, if you've grown up celebrating Christmas, this passage, or if you've walked in Hobby Lobby recently, this, this passage will not be foreign to you. Isaiah chapter nine. I'm gonna give you my four points and then I wanna walk through chapter nine with you. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Jesus is light in the darkness. Jesus is light in the darkness. Isaiah nine is gonna teach us in a minute. He is that light that illuminates when things feel and seem and even are dark all around us. Number two, the second point is gonna be Jesus is the source of joy. Jesus is our source of joy. We'll get here, but I think one of the things we've lost this year because we've, we've been so preoccupied with the things that have gone on is joy. But the third thing we'll see in Isaiah 9 is Jesus is the surprising conqueror. As a baby, we don't always put baby and conqueror in the same sentence, but this is what we're gonna see, that Jesus is the surprising conqueror conqueror. And then the fourth thing we'll see is that Jesus's kingdom has no end. That, that we can have hope because Jesus's kingdom has no end. So verses one and two of Isaiah chapter nine says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he is made glorious by the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of nations. Verse two, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is, this is you and I. We, we once walked in darkness. Now we see a great light in Christ. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, 
on them light has shone. I wrote in my notes, in my margin in the Bible, I just wrote 2020 next to that second part. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This, this feels like us right now, that, that even though we're in Christ, we're walking in a land of deep darkness, yet our light is still shining. Because not of us, because of Christ. The darkness turns to light. Through Jesus, darkness always turns to light. This is all through scripture. He illuminates the darkness. Listen, Genesis chapter one, he starts out by saying, let there be, you've heard this, right? Light. Second Corinthians four talks about the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. As we just read in Isaiah nine, people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus described himself in John chapter eight, verse 12, as the light of the world. Isaiah 61 says several things about the light and the dark. It says he is a light, Jesus shining in a dark place. It says he recovers sight for the blind. It says he releases prisoners from darkness. Jesus, even as a baby, is the light we can cling to no matter how dark the world gets around us. And this is where we find hope. We should look at the manger. We should look at the baby Jesus and be reminded of the hope we have of what he's done and what he's coming back to do in redeeming his people. Light through the child Jesus. I read it this way this week. The light of Christ radiates into Satan's dark world. I loved that. The light of Christ through a baby I mean, think about Christmas. Think about, I don't know if you do this. If you don't, then maybe you need to pray more. I don't know. But like, do you drive around and look at Christmas lights? This, this should be something we do. And as we do, we should see these things and be reminded that even in Christmas lights, right? And even in churches and even in the darkness that we feel in the world, it seems so often that the light of Christ is radiating. And even in this season through a baby, that we shouldn't miss this. And I don't know about you, but if we're not careful, we, 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 we tend to kind of think of the baby as, as, as not all powerful. We kind of tend to think of a baby as, 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 as just a challenge to believe that the baby is who he's going to be. And I pray this morning you see that it's bigger than that because a child in God's hands is more powerful than the powerful nations of this world. And if we're not careful, we'll kind of say, well, he's just a little baby. Well, he's, he's much more than that. Jesus's light exposes darkness. Listen, let me say it this way. Nothing is hidden, nor will be hidden, that cannot or will not be illuminated by Jesus. That is a promise to, to, to the sinful world as much as it is to the believer. Even if you're hiding something this morning, it will be illuminated and brought to the light. The darkness we experience in life, God transforms and uses it into the light. Let me, let me say this again. This is kind of a big deal and it's hard to follow sometimes. The darkness we experience in life, the darkness we wrestle with, the things we get challenged by in life, God uses and transforms into light. And the best example is right in front of us. Right now, we're online. We are live streaming. Like every, If you were to get on Facebook now, and please don't, and you started just kind of doing this move, you would see multiple churches live streaming. You would see multiple sharing their church live streaming. You would see Bill Burney has shared 50 different services live streamed, if you know that reference, right? You would see these things and you would see church happening. Here's the example. In this pandemic, for all its challenges, all its difficulties, even suffering it has brought, more people have the opportunity to worship and hear the gospel in our world than ever before because of worshiping online. 
When we can argue the merits and even the kind of biblicalness of worshiping online, but the reality is the gospel and worship is happening in more places than it ever has. And it has more access to homes than it ever has. And if you don't think God is using that to draw people to himself, you're missing it. This is darkness we're experiencing, yet God is using it to transform into light. And what the enemy meant for harm, God is using for good. Jesus turns the darkness into the light. Verse three, verse three. Look at the joy and gladness in this verse. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. And Jesus is the source of joy. Jesus is the source of joy. Let me just like real simply, is there joy in your life? And I don't mean you laugh because something's funny because of a meme or a joke. I mean, is there joy in your life? I think another way to say this is, is man, what does it look like for you to make others glad in God? Because when you do that, joy always follows. One of the most prime examples of, of being in Christ and the Holy Spirit in your life is the fact that in Christ, you can have joy despite circumstances. Even though circumstances aren't ideal, I can still experience joy. Those who have walked in dark seasons that are in Christ can go, yes, it was hard, God was good. Even in the most challenging times, joy is still available and near. Recently, Beth and I were on a walk. Um, that wasn't the joy part, to be clear. But on the walk, she said to me, uh, hey, I just have noticed lately that, and, and my wife is also the Holy Spirit at times, I feel like, and she's not in here, but that's okay, I'll say it anyway. And so, and, and in a good way, and, and I said, what do you mean? And she started to kind of talk about it, and I started to just hear really her, but also just hear the Lord speaking through her. And the Lord was really teaching me in that moment that I really lacked a lot of joy. This is earlier this year. And the Lord was teaching me that I was taking on hard things in my own strength rather than trying to surrender them back to Christ. That I was taking on hard things and trying just to own all of these things. And if it was disappointing, then it was my fault. And if it went well, it wasn't mine. And, and, and I was trying to hold on to all these things. And, and here's what I learned, man. man. When I'm surrendered to Christ in every area, there is joy. But when I am not, there is not joy. And so one of the things we can see there is, man, if there's not joy in my life, it may be because there's not Christ in my life. Man, I will find my joy in him and him alone. And, if, and listen, I say this a lot. There's a huge difference between joy and happiness, right? I can go eat tacos in a few minutes for lunch and that'll make me happy for a minute, right? But joy is everlasting. That happiness of tacos is gonna go away, right? But joy is gonna stay with me, whether it's dark or whether it's light. And because of this light shining in the darkness, people respond with overpowering joy. I mean, the Acts refers to Christians as what they call little Christs. And if we are these little Christs, and we are these little bundles of light in a dark world, then we should be seen as joyful as well because of the joy we have in Christ. And because of this hope, we can have joy even in the most challenging of times. All right, first, uh, let's go down to verse six. So here's kind of one of those big church verses that we're all aware of, but I, I don't know that we always get the power of a verse like this. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I don't know how often you, how often you read the Bible, period, but I don't know how often you read the Bible and try to apply everything you read to you. I, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm real kind of pragmatic in that sense that I read something and go, how does that impact me? How should I live differently? What should I do as a result? Oftentimes, God's just wanting to go, look how awesome I am, worship me, and yet I'm going, how is this about me? 
And I tend to make scripture about me when it's really not about me. So this verse, verse six, I just want to challenge you to not read it as, how does this impact me? How does this change me? How does this challenge me? How does this do something? But read it as, what does this tell me and reveal to me about a God who deserves my worship? Verse six says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, and it's gonna say four really powerful things about this child. It's gonna say, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We're going to see in just a second that Jesus, even in a baby state, is the surprising conqueror. These names represent the totality of the child's royal power. So again, with me for a minute, try not to look at how does this apply to me, but rather look at it as the power and the responsibility and the weight and the capacity and the ability in this surprising conqueror. It says, wonderful counselor, just as God needs no, needed no other counselors when he created the world, nor any others to give him plans for the nations, so this child is his own counselor. He doesn't need anyone else. He doesn't need your help and he doesn't need my help. Like counseling's a good, godly, biblical thing. And, and, and probably at some point we should all take part in that on some level because of a dark world we live in. But here it's saying this baby comes and is never gonna need counseling, is never gonna need help, just like it didn't when it created the entire world. And this is the, the child's royal power. The second thing it says is mighty God. He is a mighty God. This title also belongs to Yahweh, God, the Hebrew God, the Hebrew name for God. He is God, mighty God. In all his glory, in all his might, in all his splendor, in all his power. This is the reminder, don't underestimate the baby because he's a baby in stature. Don't look at it as the cute little baby. Look at it as, man, that is God mighty in power. He will do what he will do for his glory. Everlasting father. This is my personal favorite one. Do what you will. But the ideal king who provides for his and protects his people forever. Look at the two words, everlasting Father, everlasting, it doesn't end. Father, provider, protector. His desire, even his very character from the beginning is to provide for and to protect his people. Man, if we believed that at the beginning of this pandemic and held on to that all the way through, how differently would our lives be maybe? But he's the one who provides and he's the one who wants to protect. The DNA of our God is to provide and to protect as a perfect father. Wow. Prince of peace is the fourth thing. This child will be a source of peace. Let me say it this way. This child will have no issues. Show of hands, anybody have issues? No, put your hands down. I'm kidding. Like, like, but, but really catch the weight of this. No issues in him left unresolved. I imagine there's not a person in this room or a person in any room, any church, anywhere this morning that doesn't have issues unresolved. This is a powerful thing. Don't miss that. This child will be the source of peace. No issues in him left unresolved. Wow. Even in contrast to any ruler or person today, in a world of division because of sin, he will always be peace 
constant in peace, settled in peace. And then this little section ends with this really powerful verse seven. And it's that Christ's kingdom has no end. Verse seven says, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And don't miss this last sentence. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And Christ's kingdom has no end. Christ's reign and Christ's peace will have no end in eternity. Like, here's how I want to frame this. This year, I've heard this phrase more than ever in my entire life. God is still on the throne. It's a great phrase. It's very true. He is. Nothing's going to remove him from his throne. But, but usually we kind of use that statement to follow up. This thing is hard. This thing is challenging. This thing is dark. This thing is overwhelming. God's still on the throne. You've used this or heard this, surely. But when, what does this mean? When we're using this phrase, God is still on his throne, what do we mean by this? Because if we don't know what it means and we're just saying this, then, then there's some confusion there. Christ's kingdom does not rest on what happens here or what are you or I do or don't do. This is the idea. God being on his throne means there's little I can do to impact that, if anything. Christ's kingdom, listen, and men, I'd love for you to write this down. Christ's kingdom is not challenged during a year like 2020. For all of your life being challenged and all of the things that may have gotten turned upside down in your life, Christ's kingdom was not even challenged within an inch in a year like 2020. His throne is still established and he still upholds it. He rules his kingdom with justice and with righteousness. Yes, he is still on the throne, but his kingdom and his throne are not of this world. His desire for salvation of the world has not changed. But God still being on the throne is not about my or your safety, my or your health, my or your prosperity. It is about his glory alone, whether I'm safe or not, whether I'm healthy or not, whether I'm suffering or not, whether I'm prospering or not. His kingdom is about him, not me. And I get in trouble when I make it about me. And I start to ask, is he on the throne? And we have to believe this. And in this, we find hope. The king, kingdom Look at this last little sentence here in chapter nine, verse seven. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The kingdom was established the moment Christ came to earth and it will never end, his kingdom. And then it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts. So zeal, you know that word, but the Lord of hosts is, is kind of the same idea as the Lord of, you might've heard of angel armies, meaning he has all of these at his man, desire and need. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God's zeal for the glory of his son will make this happen forever. And no power in heaven or on earth or under the earth can stop it. And that is why today we can have hope. Because his, reign, his kingdom's reign is for eternity and nothing can stop it. Let me read you this quote. Just when everything is bearing down on us to such an extent that we can scarcely withstand it. The Christmas message comes to tell us that all of our ideas are wrong, that what we take to be evil and dark is really good and light because it comes from God. Our eyes are at fault, that is all. God is in the manger. Wealth in poverty, light in darkness. 
No evil can befall us. Whatever men may do to us, they cannot but serve the God who is secretly revealed as love and rules the world and our lives. Theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that. Let me say it this way. I am saved from death because of the cross. I am still a work in progress. And those two things as Christians have to go together. I am saved from death because of the cross of Christ, comma, semicolon, whatever goes there, you can do the grammar. I am still a work in progress. I am saved from death because of the cross, but I am still a work in progress. Here's like, I'm never going to arrive. And Jesus looks at me and goes, I still adore you. That's kind of amazing. We need to start to remove some of these expectations we place on ourselves that God hasn't placed on us because we won't arrive, but he is faithful. So, so let, me, let, me, let me end with just kind of two things. I wanna, I wanna give you just some practical ways of quieting your hearts before the Lord during a hectic holiday season at the end of this year and worshiping Jesus. I just wanna, three things. You can just write these down really fast and we'll be done. The first thing is, man, get an Advent devotional. Now, we have some here. We also have some that we're going to post later on social media. You can download if you'd rather have a digital copy. You can pick it up in the ministry center. You can get one from us. Not that our Advent devotionals are special, just that they are focused on helping you remove the focus off of you, remove distractions, sit back at the end of a hectic year and focus back on Christ and worshiping Christ. Find an Advent devotion that works for you and really focus in on that. The second thing, and this is not gonna be what you expected, is, man, I, just several times this week, I had the Lord showing me back in Minor Prophets, and one of the ones I landed in was the Minor Prophet of Joel. And in chapter one and two, Joel talks about spiritual renewal. And he uses two words over and over to talk about spiritual renewal. So if you are here and you're like, I need to be renewed spiritually, Here's, here's, here's what Joel would say. He'd say, ready, one word is fast and one word is repent. Fast, what do you need to fast? What do you need to say no to for a season meant to remove your focus off things here and place your focus on things there? And repent. Man, make that list of here are the things that I've sinned against the Lord in that he has forgiven me for. Lord, would you renew me? And the third thing is this. So we got well, Advent Devo, fast and repent. And then the last thing is this. I just would strongly encourage you to turn something off. December 1 is Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. If that's not right, I don't care. But it's something like that. Man, man, what can you turn off for the next 31 days just to kind of for an opportunity to renew? Social media, Netflix, shopping, plans, reading, not reading. I mean, music maybe in the car. Like what can you turn off as a way of limiting distractions to be reminded of the hope we have in Christ? And I'm saved from death because of the cross, but I'm still a work in progress. And listen, that is great news. Would you do me your favor real quick? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'd like to have a moment just privately um, with some of you. I just want to ask two questions and pray over those, those two kind of question people and then we'll be done. This is just me and you uh, and Jesus, you know. Um, if you would just say like this morning, man, spiritual renewal is something I need. I just need renewal in this season. I, I would love to be renewed spiritually, feel close to the Lord again. Whatever that means for you, would you just like, again, just me and you, would you just slip your hand up so I can see? Because I want to pray with you in just a minute. Cool, cool. The second
second thing I would say, man, is if, if you don't know this Jesus and you don't have this personal relationship with Jesus that I'm talking about and you would like to have that this morning and you've never made a profession of faith as we call it in the church and you would like to this morning and you want to just let me know, would you just slip your hand up and look my way real quick so I can make sure we chat later? Cool, cool, thank you. God, I pray for those who are praying for spiritual renewal this morning, God, who are saying, I need that. God, would you bring that? God, would you renew? God, would you lead those individuals that raise their hands to trust in the process of renewal, to trust what you're doing, to trust the hard things, to allow your Holy Spirit to work? God, for those who raise their hand today, God, I pray that you would draw them to you. I pray you'd stir an affection for your son Jesus in their life. I pray you'd forgive them of their sins and make them new. God, draw us to you. Thank you for an opportunity to be encouraged by your word today. God, we need you and we love you.